get the full bonfire experience on your screen youtube.com slash bonfire sports thumbs up subscribe you'll know when we're live enjoy the games Winnipeg Blue Bombers are four and two on the season. And the question now, what is the state of this franchise? Two very concerning losses, a blowout at home to the BC Lions a few weeks ago, and then a late game dismantling at the hands of the Ottawa Red Blacks by a rookie quarterback who pretty much put that young team on his back, Dustin Crum. Uh, and, and wrote it to victory. They called it the crumbback. Can Winnipeg mount a comeback and turn their season around? Is this a bump in the road, a bad day at the office, if you will? Is this maybe Winnipeg showing some flaws? Or is it something deeper and more concerning for the state of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers franchise. Welcome inside game day Winnipeg on Bonfire Sports. Great to have you along with us. Chris Walby joins us as he always does. The man, the myth, the legend, the Hall of Famer. Bluto, what did you see in Ottawa as we now take that game with the context it, it brings the Winnipeg Blue Bombers season and look towards the winless Edmonton Elks coming to IG Field Thursday night? Well, I, I just think that the way the Ottawa came back was uh, it was one of those things where I couldn't believe it. I I actually jumped up out of my chair when I was watching the game, and I was excited. Uh, I mean, not the fact that Ottawa did it, but I just the way they did it. I mean, mm -hmm. they and I think that the butterflies here on the comment was a great thing. I watched the game again. It was on about two in the morning, and I watched it. The lack of tackling was horrible, even on the last run. When he, when he ran in, when Crumb ran in for the 29-yard touchdown, there were two guys that could have hit him, and they just flashed by him. you got to try and get this guy down. I mean, it just – it was to me, there was the ultimate definition of quit. They just didn't have it, and I don't know why, because, you know, they saw a week earlier he took a run, could have won the game for Ottawa. Hamilton tackled him at the three-yard line. Mm -hmm. Hamilton wins. Bombers could have done that and held him to maybe a field goal, but you know what? He just ran through us. Made a nice move on uh, on uh, what you call it on, on Big Hill. Biggie uh, kind of overran the play. On the a tying little bit. touchdown. Yeah. And then Jesse Briggs had a chance to get him and just kind of floated by. I was well, really disappointed with the tackling effort. I mean, I thought this guy, I mean, now, if I'm looking at Taylor Cornelius, who has only run 20 times this year, um, and he's been brain dead for a lot of his plays. Uh, if you see something in that thing, you know they're going to look at it and say, you know what, maybe you got to start utilizing your legs and start running the football a little bit more and keep that defense honest. But did you see the difference in the pass protection? Ottawa's offensive line from the first half to the second half was night and day. They actually went with a double tight a lot of times, take away some of that pressure from the outside because Willie was still, he swam that one guard so fast. It was just, it was, it was mind blowing. We got a sack. Uh, I just thought they played much better in the second half. I give them credit. I think Bobby Dice had those guys believing. And I think they actually started believing in himself when he started, you know, the big play, obviously, to fumble with Brady, getting the ball punched out. Then the interception, obviously, by Dandridge, return for a touchdown. And all, you can see Mr. Moe momentum going over from one bench to the other bench. To watch the coaches high-fiving each other, to watch Kahari Jones and Bobby Dice 
hugging each other on the sideline, you know, as they're moving in to tie the game. It was a wonderful thing to see. It was beautiful football. I mean, uh, I give Ottawa full credit. They, uh, the Bombers had, you know, what? They were 25 to 9 or something like that with three minutes left. How do you lose a game like that? That's utter and complete collapse. So where is the level of concern right now? Uh, important to remember some changes that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have made from last week's loss in Ottawa to coming back home. This is their final game. It is a short week, but a final game before their first of three buys this season. Craig Smith, great to see you, Craig. Watching live on Facebook. Craig says, watch the film, learn from it, on to the next game. Great to see everybody in the live chat, by the way. Thanks for joining us here on Bonfire. Uh, To Craig's point, the Blue Bombers... To Craig's point and to your point, Chris, about the tackling, the Blue Bombers learned from the tape and they're making changes. It's important to know that Malik Clements, who uh, is widely regarded as an emerging impact player in this league, now in his second year in Winnipeg and third year in the CFL, went down to injury during that game against Ottawa. And Jesse Briggs was the man to get the tap on the shoulder and go in there and, uh, and, and try to fill in. Was it his most shining moment? Of course, it was not when Dustin Crum ran in uh, for the touchdown late. He just, you know, was not in the right position and was not keeping his eyes on one of the most dangerous things the Ottawa Red Blacks had shown in that game. And that's the quarterback taking off and running. They're also making a change this week, Winnipeg, in putting Alden Darby as a backup and Canadian Reda Cramdy, who has cut, cut his teeth as a special teamer for the last number of years here in Winnipeg. He's going to start at the Dimeback spot. And to me, I think both of these moves are to get players in there that are strong tacklers, that are mentally sharp, and that aren't going to make the mistakes that cost Winnipeg so dearly last week. Yeah, I agree with you, DB, and all those points. I mean, obviously, I was a little surprised by Alden Darby. Uh, I knew they threw the ball on him a couple times, uh, but I mean, to me, it was just like, the, you know, it was like the, the Red Sea just opening up, and, and he took off. I mean, he ran, what, he got 90-something yards or 100 yards rushing. Uh, in two games, he's almost a leading rusher. Well, he's a leading rusher for Ottawa, but he's got like 200 yards plus in two games. Uh, I just think what he does is incredible, but you got to get more pressure up top. Thomas and Walker, Ricky Walker, the two tackles, cannot. They've got to get some penetration. You really need to get some penetration up front, boys. Uh, you're getting a lot of pressure on the outside in Jefferson and Jeffcoat but you must get some push from the middle. Now, they're only going 5D linemen, which is very strange. Six. Usually they go 7. Yeah. They like to rotate these guys. Yeah. Uh, so, as, obviously, uh, you're probably going to see a little bit more Anthony Bennett and Cam Lawson. Uh, but they need to get push. You cannot let these guys sit back, especially this Cornelius kid. Listen, I, they keep going back to him. I, I think they surprised a lot of the Edmonton media, too, when they saw that he was taking first-team reps again. You know, the, obviously, Chris Jones is left with, you know, he can't go with his backup. He actually had an article on Trey Ford. He said he's just not playing well enough right now. He's got to earn a chance to start. And the backup, I'm not sure. What's his doggy? Doogie? What's his name? Dog, Daggy. Daggy? Okay, with well, Daggy, yeah. doggy, whatever. He's, you know, <laughs> he came in. And I don't think he did much either. So they're going to ride Cornelius as far as they can. I mean, I can't believe he's got a, he's got a $100,000 guaranteed contract next year, too, or something like this mm-hmm. contract. It's crazy, man. Why do you well, put that kind of money on a guy like that? I, but having that's said quarterbacks that, for you. That, but I hey, listen. The, the Edmonton has got a heck of a running back in in, in uh, Kevin Brown. He's a good running back. I watched it. He played well. Uh, Stephen Dunbar. He can catch the football. You got Dylan Mitchell, who's going to have a breakout game sometime. 
has no touchdowns. This guy was a leading receiver uh, with them last year. They got a lot of rookies. Uh, Don't forget know, Kieran Moore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, Swerve. you know, you've got um, Maurice French. You've got Vincent Forbes. He's a second-year guy. Uh, you know, they got Kyron Moore. I like, I've been a big fan of Kyron. He only was with Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. but they have got to run the ball and they've got to get the ball out quick. Cornelius made that dumbass play where he rolled out, going to get sacked and he pushes the ball up in his hand. It leads to an interception by the opposite team. Uh, it just demoralized. If I was on the sideline, I, I know as much as you're a team, you want to give the guy a smack and a helmet and go, Hey buddy, take the sack, throw the ball away. What are you doing? Putting it up in the air inbounds. Get it out. Take a, you know, take a, take a, you know, the, the throw the ball out. Take any kind of penalty, but don't do that. Don't force something like that. He's made these mistakes. I mean, Chris Wallby doesn't pull punches. Uh, that play no. by Taylor Cornelius was the blunder of the week, no doubt about oh, it. Sure. It's surprising to me, Chris. You know, you mentioned uh, Jared Deggy. I think he's shown enough to warrant more playing time. Yeah. But the question is, when you're a winless football team and everything is going wrong, um, yeah. how much how much needs to be balanced there for the Edmonton Elks in sticking with their quote unquote number one guy and not, you know, I think the my take is I, I think the one uh, the Edmonton Elks made their mistake when they went from Cornelius, gave Daggy a start, then back to Cornelius, and now you've got a complete quarterback room in flux where these guys, you know, how do you play consistent, confident football when your coach can make, uh, you know, the changes so quickly, like the drop of a hat, like Chris Jones. Yeah. But I think the fact is he's trying to get some solidarity. He's trying to get some chemistry with Taylor by naming him as a starter. He's trying to avoid that, you know, quarterback room kerfuffle, you know, who's playing is a diggity doggy playing as a Cornelius is a trade forward. You know, I think the fact that they're going Cornelius is a good thing. He had his best game of his career against the Bombers last year. He completed 25 passes. Uh, he's 0-4 versus the Bombers. Uh, I looked at some of his stats today, and I was writing them down. He's had 58 offensive drives, and he's led them to four touchdowns. It's just it's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he's – but I, I think if he makes – then you, you watch the uh, – you know, you'll go during the week and you listen to their broadcast, and he's shooting the lights out of practice. All the good decisions, getting rid of the football, hitting the receivers on the run, and he gets these brain farts when he comes into the game. I mean, the lights hit, come on in. It's almost like a guy is writing his SAT and he thinks he has to run his SAT on Saturday. You know, it's not the smartest thing. Well, you know, what I'm talking about brother. Oh yes, I never took the SATs, but uh, you know, no doubt. Uh, Chris Kenny Lawler, I think, is uh, maybe the most. Um, oh, forefront storyline of this game, you know, maybe the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers themselves out of the equation. Uh, but when you look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers depth chart on offense, there's Edmonton's, but let's bring up Winnipeg's. Um, the changes that they will make uh, really consist of the change for Kenny Lawler to reemerge into the lineup. So Carlton Agadosi goes back on uh, the one game injured list and in comes Kenny Lawler and back to his familiar spot, uh, at the boundary wide receiver spot right here. So Rashid Bailey moves to slot back and that bumps Dalton Schoen over to field side slot back. Now, here's the thing. These depth charts are going to show you one of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers receiver looks. They are going to move guys everywhere. We've seen Drew Wolitarski even move from 
that Z receiver spot back in. But what I noticed from this is that two of the best blocking receivers in the CFL, Nick Dembski and Rashid Bailey, those are the inside slots. This run game, controlling the clock, keeping Edmonton's opportunities to be on offense, um, and just to limit turnovers uh, for Winnipeg, I think is going to be of huge importance in a game where uh, the crowd is going to be on the Blue Bombers' side, and if they can control the football, uh, that's just another thing that's going to be on their side and not allow a team to remain within striking distance like Ottawa did and Winnipeg lost. Yeah, well, they weren't even in striking distance. They shouldn't have been even in a game. Uh, it was a two-score game at halftime. Yeah, I know, but they just looked horrible. You looked at they had what twenty yards of offense, and it was like the tale of two. It's Charles Dickens, a tale of two cities. You know, a two, two, it's two, two halves. You look at that, twenty yards of offense in the first half, and they had three hundred plus in the second half. I, I don't know who the offense coordinator, Kerry Jones, what he did with these guys to sit them down and say, okay. This is what we're going to start doing because they came out and I could see Crump throwing the football and he was hitting his receivers. Now, listen, I was not a guy that really was really bone high on this Nate Bahar, but I got to tell you, this kid made some catches. That over the shoulder catch was was just a thing of beauty, keeping his feet in bounds, yeah. especially on that last drive to tie. He threw two beautiful balls, right? So, I mean, uh, Nate Bahar gets a two-point conversion and then, and then it's anybody's game and I don't care if you're a Bomber fan, if you're a Montreal Alouette fan, you're jumping off your chair, you're excited for Ottawa. Because this is a team that I think Bobby Dice can really start to build. And when you get confidence like that, and they have a guy now, Crumb's the guy now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he went to from, from nobody know him to a national hero. They got shirts about him now. You know, it's crazy, I mean. Sure. But that's it's- the way it has to be. We're not awarding him to Shanley, or the uh, most outstanding player, but I'll say this. He basically carried that team. Can Cornelius do it for Edmonton? Maybe. You know, he but he has to do something. I mean, he has there's something in him that allowed that team that Edmonton, he's the head coach and GM, and Chris Jones paid him this kind of money. There's something that they saw they feel that he can develop into. Has he happened yet? No. Um, you know, he's he's got three touchdowns, five interceptions. Um they just got to get it going again. I mean, they've made another change in their offensive line with Brett Boyko coming in at right tackle now. Uh, Foucault, I think, or Foucault, whatever, David, the 6'8 guy at left guard was playing right tackle, and he was getting smoked. Oh, and taking I'm penalties. Sure. Like, there was there was a Taylor Cornelius Probably. passing yeah, touchdown a couple weeks ago. That Foucault's horse, he's got terrible feet. Yeah. I mean, I was watching guys run around him. I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, if you're a D lineman, you're lighting a cigarette, then you're rushing the quarterback. I yeah. mean, come on, buddy. So I think he's better at inside position because he's a big horse, uh, six, eight, three plus. So I mean, I think that's his natural position. I don't think he's good at tackle. Brett Boyko was a storied guy out of Saskatchewan. He went to the NFL. They were blowing him up, and it never turned out. And he was in BC, and he, he blew out BC. I mean, wasn't very good in BC. So. Yeah, it's almost like a resurgence for uh, for Brett Boyko. We'll see what he can do. I'm not trying to be hard on these guys, but my God, uh, they've got to play better up front if they have any hope because I think the Bombers' defense, aside from really allowing the quarterbacks to run, um, they've got to play better. I I want to see what this Les Morrow guy is going to do for us. Uh, It's a big start for the uh, from the uh, the import. I think is he Japanese? He's a global. Yeah, played in the NCAA. 
but is Japanese. Yeah, I mean, he's, they like him. He's very smart. He's a good hitter. And you hit on the head when you said that earlier, DB. O'Shea, when I watched this press conference, said, we want guys that can tackle. We need sure-handed tackling. We cannot yeah. be doing the whiffs anymore. You so, can't just, you know. So, yeah, go ahead. The, the, the changes the Blue Bombers made on defense uh, are – you know, as I mentioned off the top of the show and, and good to see everybody from Winnipeg Sports Talk that joined us over here on uh, game day Winnipeg and the Blue Bombers uh, Elks pregame show um, is that Reddit Cramdy at the dime and Les Maruo at weak side linebacker. You mentioned Maruo and, and the, the sure tackling that he is great special teams player so he can tackle and tackle at high speed. Reddit Cramdy also a special teamer and Canadian. Starting at the dime over Alden Darby, maybe not as good in pass coverage as the more athletic Alden Darby. But here's the thing, Chris. I put Reda Cramdy's image on the YouTube thumbnail this week for a reason. Reda Cramdy has an edge to him. He plays with a real physical edge. Uh, and I think that's something Winnipeg's defense has been missing a little bit. I'm not saying they've been playing soft, but to add a guy that plays hard-nosed football that will go smack somebody in the mouth, I think will be so, so important. Uh, I know it's the dime back spot. It's a, it's a linebacker. It's not really a linebacker spot. It's more of a DB spot, but if Edmonton is indeed going to use their running back, Kevin Brown, a lot, use some, you know, counter plays, misdirection, bubble screens, um, you know, uh, zone screens, that sort of thing, that dimes, that dimebacker spot is going to be in charge of and responsible for covering Kevin Brown, um, in the short pass game and, and in the, you know, kind of outside run game. So uh, I think having Reddit Cramdy there is, is a nice move for Winnipeg, but are, are the Winnipeg blue bombers missing a killer instinct with the way that they let that game slip between their fingers? I don't know about a killer instinct anymore because I don't want to talk about that part. But I, I just want to hit another point about Remedy, uh, Reddy Camdy. Uh, he got to play. He started and played a game uh, quite a bit in, against Saskatchewan. And you got it. He has to. One thing they don't have is they don't have the experience. Yeah, you can be a great hitter, but they don't have the experience. If Edmonton starts playing games with the receivers, running a lot of mismatch, you know, clearing out his zone, putting somebody underneath. I watched what Saskatchewan did to him, and you saw McKinnis. He came in and went back outside, and, and Cramney didn't see him to the last second got beat badly for a touchdown. That's the game within the game. You know what I mean? I mean, now you got guys like Les Morrow. Hey, I don't give a, a guy's great tackler, but you still got to know your reads. Adam Big Hill is going to have to be the huge general out there and make sure these guys know their assignments, know who they got. Because, listen, I, I will say this. If Cornelius gets an edge and he starts throwing the football well, they've got receivers. I mean, Mitchell and, and Dunbar, uh, you know, these guys are good. I mean, Kyron Moore, we watched him in Saskatchewan. These guys can go flat out play. If they can get protection, and maybe they're going to do a little double tight. You never know. They got an extra lineman in there and roll back. But I, I just want to, you know, I just want to bring out the point that, yeah, it's great to have tacklers, and I'm, I'm glad they're making changes for change. But as long as their assignment smart, knowing who they got, don't bite. You know, don't look in the backfield. Because what they're going to do is they're going to flood one side, bring a guy underneath, floods one side, hit a guy in, hope you bite on it, get deep ball, you know. Uh, and like you said on Kevin Brown, which is an excellent point by you, because, yes, if Kevin, will, uh, Kevin Brown fakes out and they might do an RPO run pass option, he goes out to the flat and then he hits it up. And, you know, you know those one of those patterns. One of those receivers or one of those DBs, either Morrow or Cramdy. Now, would I go against Morrow? Absolutely. I don't think Morrow's as fast as Cramdy. 
So, I mean, if I was looking at film, I might say, okay, let's get a matchup in Morrow. I don't know. I've never seen him flat out run. I don't know what his 40 is. I don't think it's a match for a, a Brown. I think a Brown's a lot faster. But, oh, yeah. again, it's a game of matchups. This one's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I think there's some heat on Richie Hall. Not any way about saying the guys have – but he, I, that we have two games now that I don't think that they were playing very smart. But offensively, which we'll talk about later, we weren't very good offensively either, especially in that second half. We are pretty ugly. Another point on the Blue Bombers' defense is Brandon Alexander at safety. And John, uh, who's watching live on YouTube, what's going on, John? Great to see you alongside everybody else here uh, on the bonfire. Welcome in. Uh, is Alexander hurt, asks John, because uh, he went from here comes the boom to where did he go? Uh, join in the live chat and, and great to see uh, fire away, everybody. Uh, let's get the conversation going. Um, I don't know if you've noticed it. I, I've noticed it a little bit, Chris. Brandon Alexander, since the really, really hellacious knee injury uh, two years ago that you know kept him out of half of last season as well, he just does not seem to be that same physical presence like he has been in years past. And I wonder if, if you know, the, the knee injury is, is maybe a reason why he's not able to play with such reckless abandon as he has in years past. That's a great point. Uh, sometimes players play to protect themselves a little bit. But usually when you're in a game, you're not worried about that. You're just basically trying to go out there and react. I don't think he's had the opportunity to be, do, do any big smackdowns, as they say mm -hmm. in wrestling. But I do expect him to hit somebody hard if he's coming across the middle, much like AKA Benny Thompson, who played years ago with us. You know, he was a hitman. And I think that he has that reputation. But I agree with you, D. I mean, the fact is he hasn't been playing Brandon Alexander hit in the mouth football. So that's something I'm still waiting to see. I want to see the you know resurgence of uh, of Mr. Alexander back there at that safety position. Uh, some people asking about uh, Tiadric Hansen. Well, this is the really unfortunate news. So CFL teams manage the salary cap. They manage their practice roster and their active roster. And then they manage their injured lists. And for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I'm just going to pull it up here uh, on the screen. Uh, the Blue Bombers injured list is as such. Uh, Winston Rose, he comes off the six-game injured list where he started the season. We're in week seven, by the way, so... Six weeks have gone by. So Winston Rose and Kyrie Wilson each go to the one-game injured list. So that's good news because they're yeah. closer to a return than farther away. Malik Clements, bad news, moves to the six-game injured list. Shane Gauthier, well, he's still on the six. He did not start the season there, so he's still got a couple weeks to go. Janarian Grant, same situation. Celestin Haba, that's a tough hit for a young player. He is on the six-game injured list now. Uh, I, you know, got injured uh, this past week. Desmond Lawrence, he was placed on the six a couple weeks ago. Mike Miller, he's about midway through his six-game stint. But Teadric Hansen on the six-game. He started the season on the six-game. And this is where the news is not so great, Chris, because if a player is into week seven on the six-game injured list and they started the season on the six, that means this is his second stint, his second time on the six-game injured list. So he has another six weeks ahead of him. Where this comes into yeah. play with the salary cap is if a player's on the six-game, their salary does not count against the salary cap. You're on the one game, yeah, it does. So that's why you put a player on the six. The issue with the second stint on the six-game 
is that that is where there is financial penalty to taking a player off early. You can only do it twice if they're on their second stint. So for Teadric Hansen, we're at a point right now where we know he makes more money than the, the rookie salary he made in the first couple of years in the CFL. He's right around that $100,000, $120,000 mark. This tells us that he is not close to a return because he's probably going to be another six games uh, on uh, injured list. So with Habba going on the six, with Hansen needing another six, um, and, and where Winnipeg's D-line is kind of getting a little bit thin, especially at the edge where Habba and Hansen play, uh, should Winnipeg be calling up some players? Maybe <clears throat> Sean Lemon. I don't know. You know, that's a good point. Uh, they were talking about that the other day, that uh, how is Sean Lemon not even in the league right now? I mean, they showed videos. He's, he's posting videos on YouTube and Facebook about himself. Oh, yeah. All these drills. He looks great. Um, is it a salary thing? I don't know, but I'm sure some teams could use him. I'm surprised. Uh, basically, the guy that good, uh, who still has that much wear on the tires uh, mm-hmm. is not picked up by somebody. I mean, if somebody could use this guy, and it just seems like they're just holding him back. And for whatever reason, I mean, I don't know what he's like in the locker room. I don't know if it's a salary thing, but yeah, he's or one of those guys. Or can he play enough downs to be helpful? Like, it's great if you've got explosion and burst and good sack numbers, but can you play 40 snaps? Can you play a long series without needing to be subbed off? I think he could. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I watched him play last year when he was the Western Division All-Star and uh, basically runner-up for defense or, or was one of the categories for defensive player of the year. I thought, you know what, this guy should be playing. He went to BC. It didn't fit in. I think BC, you understand what they were doing. They were going with the youth movement. Uh, Matt Schubetz and those guys are playing super football out there on their D-line, so I guess they can afford to go younger and cheaper. Or maybe it's one of those cases where they had so much money invested in in the D-line, they decided to cut some of it, you know, just pare down what they have to pay. So that's one of the points. But, yeah, it, it's it's interesting when you say that, too. Um, and I saw one of the comments here, and it's interesting, like I brought up, too. We've only got five D-line or six. I guess we're dressing six here. Yeah. Anthony Bennett has not got a lot of playing time. I expect him to get more now. Oh, yeah. Um, Cam Watson, he's doing pretty good when he gets in there. Lawson's a good they're player. They're going to have to rotate. Yeah. They're going to have to rotate. Listen, but you know what? They blitz the hell out of it. Adam Big Hill is notorious. If you watch the sack he got last week uh, on Crumb, he comes up late to the line of scrimmage. The two tackles take their guys. The center goes with a, a double team on the right-hand guy on the tackle, and he just runs straight up the middle and makes a tackle and makes a sack. Great play. That's the thing that, that Adam gives you. He's smart. He comes from the outside. He comes from the inside. But you remember that. If you're bringing a middle linebacker, you got to make sure those receivers are smart enough to see that. Mm-hmm. Because if he's coming up, somebody is going to be open. There's going to be an opening in the middle, right? It's like when a safety comes, he's cover zero. There's nobody deep. It, that's where experience takes place. That's where if quarterback sees that, you get a lot of deep throws and deep plays. So uh, I'll so be looking one, for the chat. I'm going to look for it. It's going to be interesting. So one of the players coming off the six-game injured list is Jamal Parker. Wearing number seven, that was not the number he wore last year when he started nine games in the Blue Bombers secondary in 2022. He's a backup on defense this week uh, in his first action of 2023. But there he is. He's going to be the punt returner. Now, Greg McRae is the kick returner. We'll, we'll see if they rotate these guys or what happens. But Greg McRae bumbled 
a couple of balls uh, in the return game last week. But uh, nice to see Jamal Parker back. Winston Rose, as we mentioned, probably close to a return as well. Uh, so the Blue Bombers defensive secondary getting healthy while, you know, you mentioned uh, the, uh, the linebackers in the D-line nicked up getting a little bit thin right now. Brian Cole is somebody I think would probably step in if they needed another starter, right? At middle or weak side linebacker and American, he has just been laying the boom on special teams this season. Briggs, Tanner Cadwallader, you know, I I think those are are guys that are maybe a little bit farther down right now, especially with the way things went in Ottawa last week. But um, All things considered, uh, it's very good news that Kyrie Wilson coming back from a torn Achilles tendon last season on the one game injured list after a full stint uh, on the six. Chris, uh, do need to mention before we forget, but how could we forget Shannon's Irish pub is the spot to be 175 Carlton Street underneath the streets of downtown Winnipeg. If you've never been, you got to go check them out. They're now open on Fridays for lunch. So if you feel like kicking off work early this week after maybe not getting much sleep after the Blue Bombers uh, game at IG Field on Thursday, they're open for lunch. You can get your weekend started early. 21 beers on tap, ice cold. They got your selection of cocktails, but on tap, they have your selection of local favorites as well. And as you see on the screen, Winnipeg Jets and Blue Bombers game day specials, home games and away games. And they're going to have the game up on the screen, food specials, drink specials. uh, And uh, Chris, you know, I say it every time their wings are off the charts, but their culinary choices go beyond the pub classics. They do those really well, but they've also got some adventurous stuff on there. They love telling me to tell people to have the wild boar and venison burger with smoked cheddar and blueberry compote. Believe me, it works. So tasty. Go check them out. uh, Shannonsirishpub.ca. Yeah, great for them. I really appreciate that. But uh, I want to go back and hit one more thing. You talked about Brian Cole. Yeah. I watched Brian Cole, and that man is a, he's just a terminator on special teams. He's down there. He's one of the first guys, and he's throwing his body at this guy. He's a missile, I mean, right? Just... I, like, I, I like the way the guy plays. Yeah. And I know he's a DA. He's a designated American, so he can't start the game. But he can come in for, I think, what, 25 or 30 reps. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, this is my personal opinion what's going to happen. I think last one is going to start. You're going to go with him a little bit. But I got a feeling you're going to see Brian Cole at that linebacker spot. Uh, he's smart. He's uh, tenacious. Uh, so I think they have a good opportunity to get both those guys in the game or playing reps with both of them, and that, that's going to help because they're going to have to make some good tackles. I mean, Brown, like I said before, Kevin Brown, the running back for, for Edmonton, he's a horse, man. Uh, he's averaging five uh, yards a carry. He's only got carried about 57 times, so he's still pretty fresh. Uh, the problem is this offense hasn't been on the field very much. I mean, they're number eight in rushing. They're number eight in passing. They're number nine in, you know, in offensive plays. They've only run 51 plays. It's just it's just not good. Um, and the other thing that hurts Edmonton, the other thing that hurts Edmonton, sorry, the, the other things that hurts Edmonton, penalties, stupid penalties. They're number one for taking the most defensive penalties. They just kill themselves. They shoot themselves in the foot. Not only is the offense giving the ball away, but the defense is letting people on offense continue drives. And you can't do that. 
It's incredibly confusing, too, because this was the most penalized team in the CFL when Jason Moss was the head coach. How long ago was that? And there's still new head coach, new GM, new everything, and they're still penalized so terribly. I don't know if that is a cause and effect of just not being a good football team. So the players maybe stretch a little bit, reach a little bit, um, take liberties where they shouldn't because they're, they're trying to, you know, stay competitive and uh, get an advantage back on the opponent. You know it better than anybody, Chris. There's holding on every play in football. It's just the oh, egregious yeah. ones that get called by the officials. But um, strange to see Edmonton so penalized when they are so bad. And that leads to another thing I wanted to, to bounce off of you. The What's line that? for betting, and if you want to throw a little oh, sprinkle oh, on it, sia.com slash bonfire. Sign up there and uh, you get a nice uh, tidy bonus as well once your uh, your initial deposit clears. Um, 15 and a half points, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers opened as favorites. And people are like, that's a huge number. You know, and I, I get it. The Bombers are a good team, but coming off a tough loss, they're only four and two. It's not like they're kicking everyone's butt, but they are a very, Somewhat. very good team. And everyone knows that Edmonton winless, hapless bottom of the league in, in all statistical categories, pretty much. I yeah. think this betting line is genius by the odds makers because it is such a big number. You can't just say, oh yeah, Winnipeg's going to win at home because 15 and a half, that's two scores plus. Yeah. So it's tough to, uh, to do that. And, and a money line bet doesn't net you much either. Yeah, that's the thing. I looked at that too. And you know, the funny thing is, and it's not really funny, I guess, but Edmonton's eventually going to beat somebody. We just hope it's not the Bombers. But eventually they're going to turn us around. I, I can't see them going winless for the year. Uh, I think they're going to win a football game. Listen, they played an exhibition season this year, and it was a tight game. And I understand exhibition is you're playing all new guys. Half the guys aren't even here anymore because you're playing different people. But it was a tight-fought game. Um, there's just certain things I look at and I jump out of me. Like if you look at these, the Edmonton Eskimos secondary, Four of the five guys starting are first-year players. I mean, you look from uh, – you got Dwayne Thompson, first-year Valdosta, uh, Marlo Sean Franklin Jr., first-year out of California, Berkeley, Darius Bratton, first-year out of Virginia, uh, Kai Gray, first-year out of Lincoln, UMV. The only guy that's got experience, and he's only got two years, is the, is the field side corner, Mark Marcus Lewis, is in his second year. Lots of inexperience there. And I know that Chris Jones is a smart cat. He's trying to put things together. He's trying to find that mesh where guys can play. So he's got a bunch of young guys, and he's hoping they can gel. Now, obviously, when you have a rookie, what somebody say that for every rookie you start, you lose a football game? That's a, yeah, that's that was you. Line. That was you who said uh, that. Somebody, somebody, somebody way smarter than me said that. But, I, but it's the truth. When you look at this, I, I was blown away. I mean, like, seriously. The starting line, a middle linebacker, Tony Jones, well, first yard of Montreal. Uh, they just got so many new guys. But, they, they, but they're own six, so it's only only one way to go, and that's up. That's what I'm saying. You have to start. They're not winning with the people they had, so they're looking for somebody who can do the job, right? And when you're not winning, it is very nervous to be in that locker room. Do you know that? It's very nervous because you're thinking, if I screw up, you're not playing co- comfortable. You're playing with fear that you make a mistake and you're starting to overthink things instead of react to things. And as a result, you're worried about making a mistake to get you cut. 
and you have to you have to eliminate that and play with confidence. Just take care of your own job. You always said, hey, you have one job, take care of it, and everything else, everybody else take care of their job. You overcompensate for somebody else or try and cheat, that's when breakdowns happen. So, yeah, I just think that uh, I, I know what Chris Jones is trying to do here. I know what he's trying to build here. But, boy, I tell you, when you got a lot of rookies there, you better make sure you got great uh, communication back there, especially with your boy, Kevin and Kenny. You call me, don't call me Kenny. Call me Kenny Lawler. I mean, even last year, the shortened season, 12 games, he had five touchdowns. So, I mean, this guy, he's, a, he's a deep threat, deep yeah. threat. Uh, yeah. And I saw that the uh, – you know, sort of wax poetic here, but I saw the interview with uh, – with uh, what you want to call uh, Zach today, Zach Alaris. And he was saying that this is the best receiving crew he's ever had. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, yeah. it's just unbelievable. When you look at the talent they got here from Drew Walterski, who leads the team of four touchdowns. I really like the guitar, man. Being a big fan of him. I talk about him every week. You and do. then you got Dalton Schoen. And they're, 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 I was listening to some broadcast. They were dumping on Schoen. And it was stupidity. They he were dropped going, the ball. You know, he oh, dropped big. the ball. You know, who doesn't? Yep. Oh, my God. You know, do you think I ever missed a block? I missed a ton of blocks. Listen, it happens, man. Get off that. I know you're yeah. trying to create drama. But the guy went from the penthouse. Now there's talking like he's washed up, which is just stupidity. And then you got, you know, I mean, so you got those guys. You got Nick Dembski is a big, you know. The thing is we haven't talked about, and I know you're going to talk about. Well, if you let me talk about something. Oh, sorry. Hey, well, <laughs> what's that? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> All right, sorry, DB. I'm putting it back in. Ooh. No, go ahead. What is it? I want to talk about one thing that really stuck out to me, and I know you're going to talk about it, and I'm going to let you run with it. Where was the run game last week? I mean, Did you watch it. They played the, fantastic against the run. The 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 play calling. A lot of people have that have those questions, right? Like, you know, Kolaris's, uh interception, the the pick six to Brandon Dandridge. Um, you know, I'm not hanging that on the quarterback. That was a tip ball. All three of his yep. interceptions this season have been tipped balls. One to Dembski, one to uh, Bailey, I believe. Um, where the receiver got their hands on it. That's not on the quarterback. Uh, people are wondering about the play calling, though. If it's second and seven or second and five, and, you know, the run game got you there, why don't you continue with it? Uh, the Blue Bombers play calling, the Blue Bombers... Uh, offense as a whole, not even so much just the play calling, but the offense as a whole, Chris, I've, I've seen it throughout the season. They have these ebbs and flows where they are so explosive, so dynamic, so dominant. It seems like a 15 play 10 minute drive march in the field and killing the game or these deep shots, you know, run game, run game, setting them up and then boom, over the top is Dalton Schoen or is Nick Dembski or is Greg McRae or whatever the flavor du jour is because the Bombers have so many weapons. Next up, Kenny Lawler. You just wait for it. But then they go these stretches of time where they can't get the chains moving. Two and out, three plays, four plays, and having to punt. It's strange to me that whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the play calling, whether it's execution and mistakes, or whether it's all of that mixed together, Winnipeg just yeah. has not been the consistent performer on offense like they have under Zach Kolaris the last two plus seasons. Yeah, and I, and I know that uh, you know you mentioned something really important. I guess Montreal they had that 15 play last minute drive where they just pushed the ball down Montreal's throat. 
and they couldn't get anything generated to run the ball. I mean, Brady had nine carries. That's not a lot of carries for 16 yards. He averaged 1.8 yards a carry. I thought that Baron Miles, the, the Ottawa defensive coordinator, did a fantastic job of plugging the holes, knowing what our bread and butter is, and they took away everything. I mean, Brady, once he gets through the hole, he's gone. You know how great. you know how Ottawa won that game in the locker room at halftime because they figured it out and they also kept coaching those guys to have belief in their young quarterback and in the adjustments they made. It was well, impressive the way they came out in the second half. Offense, defense, special teams, all of it. I'm looking at the kid that uh, the, that was a big factor for them with Mike Mike Wakefield, who got that sack against uh, Zach in the uh, overtime. Yep. Yep. basically forced a, a, another great kick by Sergio, who's having a career year. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've said some people say, why are you, you know, handing the ball off when you're second and five, throw the ball. You've got these great receivers, you know, they're moving the ball down. You hit shown for a couple of big plays. So, you, you, but there's always question marks when things don't go well, you're always going to put question marks on it. When things go well, you know, you're, you're always wondering, but I think it's better and I've said this a hundred times before, you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Yeah. You look at your mistakes and say, okay, this is so, uh, so interesting. Okay. What do we do wrong here? What block do we miss? Was it, you know, should we have done something different and how much, how many plays do you leave on the field? That's what you'll look at. Right. I mean, these, that's what your coaches do. They break it out every time player by player and play by play. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, you know, the bombers are going to come out dominant. I think they're going to really try and establish that run game right off the bat against Edmonton. And it'll be up to see uh, what the Edmonton guys can do in front there. I mean, AC Leonard's playing well. It's Elliot Brown. They got Cody Ely in the middle. They've got some good defensive linemen. They're not a bad team. They just have so much inexperience in the back end. That's the only thing that scares me. When you got guys like, uh, like I said, we talked about Kenny coming back. Rasheed Bailey, who I'm waiting, he's going to have a breakout game. You know that, eh? He's going to get in there. Yep. Peter uh, D. There's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to that, but first things first, Rob Mahoney says, Bluto can talk. He's an even better uh, commentator than he was a player, in my opinion. Hashtag legend. I'm with you, Rob. I've learned more about broadcasting from you, Chris Wolby, uh, than I have about football, and you've taught me a heck of a lot of football. Uh, Peter D., who's uh, chiming in uh, watching live on Facebook, says, Hey, Wolby, what do you think of Jeff Gray's play this year? That is a good question. Chris, when it came to pro football focus and grading out all of the different position groups through five weeks of the season, pro football focus had a Blue Bombers offensive lineman at every single spot in their top five except for left guard. Chris Kolonkowski was the top-ranked center in the CFL. Uh, Bryant and Hardrick and Neufeld, you know, kind of in the middle to the bottom uh, of the top five. Jeff Gray, not in the top five. Uh, What do you you see from the young Winnipegger at left guard? I think that he's getting better. I think he's not playing bad. I think he's one of these guys that's very intelligent, knows his offense, knows it in and out. is he having some issues sometimes? Yeah, he's, he, the guys are starting to figure him out a little bit. They're picking a, a shoulder on him when they're rushing. But he's physically an athlete, so I think he, he's going to, you know, it's one of those things he's going to get better as a keeper. He's got a great offensive line coach. They're going to work with him. Uh, when you're in this group, this I think is the, probably one of the top lines still in the CFL. It's interesting that you mentioned Chris Kolonkowski because I've really been impressed with him. But, you know, even him, he's had he's had a couple of rough, rough uh, series against Ottawa last week too. And then you got uh, Hardrick, who I think has been pretty good. Uh, you, you don't hear much about Stanley right now. 
I don't think Stanley's having a Stanley Bryant type year right now, but I still think they're doing an excellent job. Uh, but the question about Gray, I think Gray is a good football player who's only going to get better. Um, and, and they know that. They know it. He's, he's a tough guy. He's a big guy. Uh, is he play, is, would he be happy with his play? I think he'd be happy, but if you asked him, could you play better? I, it's like anybody else. They're going to say, yeah, of course he can play better. Uh, a lot of people in the live chat asking about uh, bonfire midweek. Zach and I were not able to uh, get our, uh, we weren't able to get our things to align. So uh, there was no show yesterday uh, by week this coming week. So uh, unclear. Oh, right. Unclear what uh, here, we're going to do for, for the oh, following yeah, week, but pregame and postgame every single game, no matter what, because uh, I couldn't tear Chris Walby away from his camera and microphone and his need to be on YouTube on a weekly basis throughout the CFL yeah. season. Um, Chris, do you want to get your keys to the game? Yeah, I got my, I basically talked about them all already. I mean, basically for offense, I think that you can't win any football game one dimensionally. We always said that running game is always important. You can't, you can't just run the ball nine times or 10 times as they did. They've got to get a 50, 50 or 60, 40 match of run pass. Uh, I want to see Brady have a better game. I want to see him get the ball. I want to see better blocking from that old line. Uh, you know, and, and, and on defense, I think you got to keep Cornelius caged up. I think that he's going to watch that film and saw what Crum did from Ottawa, and yep. I guarantee it. I gar- I'm, a, I'm a betting man that he's going to start taking off with that football. He's going to try and stretch that line. So I think if you keep him in, your hands keep him in, and allow your tackles to get some penetration, I think you'll have great success and you force him to make – uh, some mistakes. And again, another thing with this guy, don't give him a pre-snap read. Move up slowly just before the ball is snapped. That causes all kind of havoc for the offense. And the special teams, hey, listen, anybody that thinks we don't miss Janarian Grant is crazy. I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, I, I really, listen, I'm not a bad fan of, uh, of my friend Greg McCray. He's got great speed, but he doesn't have the knack. I watched him last week. He averaged 4.5 on punt returns. And 15 or yards on a punt on a uh, on kickoffs. He doesn't have that elusiveness. I, I think maybe he's looking downfield as he's catching the ball, watching who's going to hit him. Or Janarian Grant is my my definition of an old Wolby warrior. That sum of butt gun just hits that hole, and boy, if you miss one play, he's gone. You watch Mario Alford from Saskatchewan. Oof. Two return touchdowns. Now I want to ask you a question: Was that a million dollars? Hmm. I don't know. Because I know that uh, Save on Food says you get two in one game. You get a, I didn't. I never heard anything. I never heard anything either. That's yeah, weird, eh? Good question. Uh, well, well, you know where to shop. Uh, no, I just I want the million bucks. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and you know the the Blue Bombers uh, would pay a million bucks to have Janarian Grant and a lot of the other injured players they have right now uh, back in the lineup. Craig Smith, what's going on, Craig? Great to see you as always. Uh, our yeah. good friend. Walby's analysis is so good, says Craig. Used to see him at the Norwood Legion where I met my wife. Thursday nights were good there. MTS girls and a smiley face. What's going on with that? Where's the story, Chris? Uh, I can't talk about that, man. Listen, I'm <laughs> He's a great guy. And I want to say this. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Oh. I just want to give that because, uh, you know, and she's always gone too long. See, somebody asked me, can I sing a song? Well, yeah, I can, brother. There you go. See, you know where you can sing, Chris? At Shannon's where? Irish Pub. They got like karaoke. Like three nights a week, they got karaoke. So so head over there. We'll have a couple coldies. 
and uh, you know, taking uh, taking some of the games. Uh, I think that would be a, just an outstanding idea. Don't you agree? I, you know what? It's interesting. Maybe next week because we have the buy. Mm-hmm. Maybe we go down there and uh, watch a game. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe Thursday yep. night if they have a Thursday night game or something. You know, because Friday next week on Friday, I'm at. Uh, I got to go to the lake. I haven't been there. I got to cut the grass, but. So this is what this is what I'm thinking. Wednesday night is Winnipeg Sports Talk night at the Gold Eyes game. You can get tickets through Winnipeg Sports Talk's website um, for like 15 bucks, that sort of thing. They're way down uh, the the uh, third baseline near Craft Beer Corner. That is going to be the destination uh, on Wednesday at the Gold Eyes game at home. Um, maybe Shannon's after. We'll see. Could could turn into yeah. an event. Um, nicest Chris- seats in the game. Nicest seats. You know what? When I can sit there, you know, I used to go to the arena and I sit in those seats and my knees are basically hovering around the guy in front of me by his knees, by his ears. Mm-hmm. I, it just looks terrible. And, you know, and I, I have to stand up because I, I, I just can't fit in these seats. They're not made for big guys, but I'll tell you this, the goal lies. Oh, baby. Those seats, unbelievable. I could crash there, brother. Yeah. You better not, though. No, I better not. Uh just before we let you go, Chris, and uh, to everybody out there, really appreciate you tuning in live here on Game Day Winnipeg. We're going to get the post-game show fired up following Thursday night's game between the Bombers and the Elks. So if you're at the Madhouse on Matheson or watching on TV, we will get it going live just a few minutes after the game. Chris, how do you see this game playing out? Give us a bit of a prediction of what you expect where the Vegas odds makers feel it is a 15 and a half point spread. The Elks winless this season. Seventh game on tap. Winnipeg coming off a really, really tough uh, late game collapse and a loss to sit at four and two. Good news overall that, that they're they're back home for this game. Yeah, I think so. I think my big interest is going to be how long before Zach hits Lawler. I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things. The crowd's going to go crazy. You know, if you watch Kenny and Kenny said, it's such an honor and a privilege to come out of that end zone, out of the locker. This is a man that's biting at the bit to get on that football field and prove that, you know, it was worth the wait. I'm excited for him. I know Zach, and I know Zach's probably – I bet you within the first couple of series they go deep to him. I'm just telling you, that's how I feel. Yeah. I also want to say something else to you, buddy, while you're on here. Happy birthday to your buddy, Zach. I know it was his birthday. God bless you, brother. Uh, you know what? If I was around, I'd buy you a beer, but uh, I'm never around you. But uh, happy birthday. It was really nice to see you, that you had a day. I wished him happy birthday online, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Zach Schnitzer, uh, the fan fuel of uh, Bonfire Sports. No question about that. Happy birthday and, and belated as always. Um, but, uh, you know, Chris, j- just as we, we wrap things up here, um, do you remember a time in your career where the team you played on, there was belief in the room, there was expectations outside of the room for your team to perform, for your team to vie for a Grey Cup championship, and you hit that point in the season where there's a little bit of doubt creeping in because losses are harder to forget than wins are to remember? I think 88 when we won the Grey Cup. We uh, went into the playoffs on a bit of a losing streak. Then we played at Hamilton in 88 and beat them mm-hmm. up pretty good at home. But, yeah, we lost a couple of games at the end of the season. I think about 87 when we thought we were going to win. We set a kind of all, all kind of offensive records with with Tommy Clements. And, uh, you know, we had such a great team with Willard Reeves and all these guys. By the way, I should say this. Tomorrow I'll be at the game. Me, Stan, Mikolas, Willard Reeves, and John Osterhaus in the Alumni Alley. So mm-hmm. come down and say hi. 
All right. So 84, you win the Grey Cup. 85, yeah. 86, and then 87, you guys were, were, were riding pretty high. What got in the yeah. way that season? Oh, you know what? It's it's peaking. You know, it's one of the things we should have won that 87. I think we lost uh, in the final at home to Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. can't remember who we lost to, but it was just a horrible loss. I remember we lost in another game when another year we lost to Baltimore, and we should have won. Uh, we fumbled the ball, but we didn't fumble. The ball was dead on the ground, but back then he didn't have replays or challenges, and we lost a game to Baltimore 13-12. to 12. That's another game that bothers me. I remember the losing games more than I remember the winning games sometimes. Like I said, yeah. yeah. That's crazy, man. But, yeah, you know what? Uh, 16 years, there's a lot of good football, a lot of great friends, and, uh, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of laughs. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. My fingers like to go back because, I mean, I could probably get some straight fingers. Maybe play, uh, you know, maybe play uh, piano again. Uh <laughs> Right or you'd be a, maybe you'd be a guitar yeah. player like your sons. Like your sons can play. If I could play half like the guitar man, Drew Wolitarski, I'd be happy. I just bought one Western song just so I can, you know, go by the campfire and bullshit people and go, hey, look at me, my end. I'm just, and I could get a twang on like Dunnigan. I told you about Dunnigan. I knew we were going to win any football game that Matt Dunnigan was in if he came in and he had a draw. Because he always Ooh. walks. If you ever know Matt, he's bow-legged like a mother. Like he was born in an ostrich, right? His legs are all bent and shit. And he come in and he go, hey, we're up, boy. He's got the accent. I said, we're going to win. He comes in, he doesn't say nothing, and he doesn't have an accent. Oh, shit, we're in for a rough one, this one. That's the truth. Matt so, Dunnigan, God bless you, brother. Do, do you think – yeah, you got to love Matty. I, he's, he's one of my favorite people, uh, you oh, know, both on, on the, the panel and, and just in person as well. Uh, huge personality in him uh, and unique one too. If you think back to those years, Chris, where you were on a, a very, very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers team and the years you won and the years that something got in the way and you went home early, uh, what is like the advice or the perspective you would share with the fans out there that are wondering if this Blue Bombers team, with the way the roster is constructed, the age of certain position groups and individuals, and the window that is open right now, but is not going to be open forever. What do you share with them about your experience on those teams winning and not winning Grey Cups? Listen, I've played against Mike O'Shea many years. He's smart. He's, I think he's second leading tackler in the history of CFL. Um, he coaches just like Cal Murphy coached. And what I mean by that is veterans are key you must have veteran presence on the locker room not only for leadership but for just having experience and that's what O'Shea's got I'm not into this about long and a tooth crap I think you know what yeah you can only ride that gravy train so long but I still think this year maybe next but every year changes right injuries happen guys retire maybe you get a new career but I'll say this I think that the team they got right now especially with the addition of Lawler and getting these healthy guys back like Kyrie Wilson and, uh, you know, Winston Rolls and these. I mean, this is a team to me that they play smart, disciplined football. They're still a team to beat. But I will look, I'm look. i looking forward to the BC. The next home game is BC. Mm -hmm. That will be a great game. And then, of course, Toronto. We want to see him play Toronto. Because this Chad Kelly, he's uh, he's, he's lighting it up there in the east side. So, anyway, those are my thoughts, buddy. I, I agree with you. I, I really enjoyed watching Chad Kelly this year. I would look out, uh, you know, if, if you're a team facing the Toronto Argonauts uh, on any given 
Thursday or Friday night. Um, but you're right, Chris. Uh, the Elks and Bombers get it going Thursday night. Post-game show, as we always do here on Bonfire Sports. Then comes the bye week, which we will all drink in and enjoy. The BC Lions come back to IG Field for a rematch Thursday, August 3rd. You and I will have a pregame show, uh, as we always do, the day before the game, live at 3 o'clock. That is going yes. to be a ton of fun. But, uh, hey, let's not look too far ahead. Uh, that's how you end up losing games to wins, winless teams when you look past your opponent. That's right. And I think it'll be a great game, I think. Edmonton, I know a lot of people. I'm, I'm really happy the game's on Thursday. I think the fact that Edmonton has an 0-6 team, I think if this game was on a Friday or Saturday, the crowd wouldn't be that good. But the fact that it is a Thursday, I think we should have a great crowd. I know they're calling for a whiteout. Uh, the Bombers are going to wear their white jerseys which usually they wear on the road, they're going to wear them at home, so they want to have a whiteout. They're kind of taking a page off the Jets, yeah. you know, having a whiteout there. So, Hopefully it's the only uh, page you know, they take, though. Yeah, I know. They're good. I mean, I, I'm okay <laughs> with that, man. But anyway, just I just want to say God bless you guys. Hey, DB, have a good uh, – I'll see Are you going to the game? Oh, I'll be there. Oh, yes. Okay, I'll see you at the game. Yeah. I heard hey, and everybody else out there, whether you're going to the game or not, however you're taking it in, go hit thumbs up right now on the video. And if you're watching afterwards, uh, hit the comments section below. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for subscribing. Go leave a review in your podcast app. We'd appreciate that a lot. But go hit the thumbs up right now, everybody. Uh, I can see yeah. you there. I see that you haven't yet. Go go hit that thumbs up uh, or else I'll send Chris Walby after you. Right on, brother. Have a great weekend, Chris. We'll see you. We'll see you All at right. the game. Hey, you too, buddy. You know, I haven't had a cold one yet, but and I wasn't gonna have a cold one today. But now after getting jacked up talking to you, I might have to crack a cold one. Indulge, my friend. Enjoy. Well, thanks, Andy. Thanks, man. I, I was trying to make it a couple days, but <laughs> okay. All right, we'll talk to you later, guys. Go blues, get the game.